Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Let It Be Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Sanchez, Certified Leadership and Life Coach, Reiki Practitioner, and Recovering Overachiever. Not everything in life can be easy, but this podcast is about seeing how some things don't have to be as hard as we think. This podcast is brought to you by Cocoon. That's my practice where I offer coaching and other resources to help you trust your intuition, design a meaningful life, and create fulfilling work. You can find out more at the-cocoon.co. Hello there. I'm so happy to be back here with you. Um, I had to take a little break because I've really been dealing with some juniper allergies here in Santa Fe. You can probably still hear it in my voice, but um, hopefully it won't be too distracting. Uh, Forgive my sniffling. Um, Today I want to talk with you about speaking up in meetings at work. This is a topic that comes up all the time in my coaching sessions, and it's something that I dealt with personally a lot throughout my career. So um, I, I want to start by um, just sharing my personal experience with the challenge of speaking up. And then, uh, so stories in the first half, and then in the second half, I will share with you strategies and practical tips. Uh, so first of all, I'll just say, as I've, I've shared before, that I identify as an introvert, I have like a pretty quiet voice, but I, but I can be very talkative when I'm uh, in with people that I feel comfortable with. Um, and when I was growing up, I I was very shy socially, but in the classroom, um, I was very confident. I was I was very nerdy. I mean, I was always always had my hand raised. I was never hesitant to speak up in school. And that was really true even during college. I felt pretty comfortable speaking up in the classroom. Um, The first time I remember encountering a big challenge with this um, in, in a situation that wasn't just like a social setting was in grad school. During my master's program, I decided to take a PhD seminar. It was on romantic poetry. It was in the English department, which was kind of like, I I was in a religion and literature program. It was a little bit adjacent. And it was also a level up from where I really was because I was a master's student. Uh, But I wanted to take it because I was very interested and also to test out whether I might want to get a PhD. So, First of all, it meant a lot to me. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself in this class. uh, So it felt like the stakes were high, like this was kind of going to be my make or break thing to tell me if I should proceed in that direction. Secondly, um, it was new to me. I mean, the volume of reading in a PhD seminar, like I had never experienced anything like it. Um, also, the independence, like it wasn't, we didn't really have uh, a normal syllabus. There was a lot of like 
you should read this. And then you had to like go and find it. And it was not always easy to find. Um, and then another big thing that made me nervous in this seminar was that I was the only woman in the seminar. And it was like pretty small. I don't know, maybe there were six of us. And everyone else, including the professor, was a white man. And then here I was, I, I, a mixed race woman. And uh, it was just one of those situations where it stuck out to me so much. I just felt in my bones how different I was. Like every time I heard my voice in the, in the class, it just felt so different from the voices I heard around me. I started to get just so nervous about this class. Um, I found it really hard to speak up. I started to get like, to really lose my confidence and to just feel like I was stupid in a way or like I had nothing of value to contribute. Um, so there was like, there was a lot going on in my head that was keeping me from speaking up. And then it would... Uh, I would end up with physical things uh, resulting from what was going on in my mind. I'd be sweating. I'd be, my, my throat would get tight. My chest would get tight. Um, you know, my breath would get shorter. I'm even like feeling a little bit as I describe it. Um, so then it was kind of a vicious cycle that made it even harder to speak up. Um, so fortunately that situation had a pretty happy ending. Um, ultimately, all of the men in my class were very, very kind and conscientious. Um, the professor and the other students really made sure that I had a chance to speak in every class. They were very respectful and, um, you know, responded with curiosity about the things I said. So, um, and they also, they gave me a lot of encouragement, really. Um, and so over time, that helped me really feel accepted and a lot more comfortable uh, by the end. So uh, then the next situation I can remember uh, where I got that nervous or even more nervous was my first real like corporate job. I had had a job at a nonprofit and then I had a job um, at a small startup. The nonprofit was small as well. And then it was once I came to a company that was about 500 and over the following couple of years it grew to about 1500 and it was a pretty corporate environment. Lots of um, glass rooms with conference tables and like rolly chairs. Um, and I felt very intimidated. It was a situation, once again, that felt very high pressure. It felt high pressure for me. I wanted to prove myself. It also was legitimately a high pressure environment around me. It was a very crucial inflection point in the trajectory of the company. So a lot of people were on edge. Everybody was like 
stressed and really trying to move very quickly and uh, I felt like the stakes were high in general. Um, and then once again, I felt different. Uh, there were in most of the time in meetings, I would be the only person who looked like me. Often I was the only woman or like the only, yeah, I just always felt like the only, like it was as if I was constantly sitting in rooms full of, of pineapples and I was like a bunch of grapes. Like, it's just like, ah, oh, that feeling over and over again. I mean, there were times where I'd have like seven meetings in a day. So multiply that by uh, uh, five days a week in every single one of those, feeling like the odd one out, like one of these things is not like the other. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's a lot that that is a very challenging and complicated position to be in um, for a variety of reasons. It's different, feels different for each individual. Uh, but for me, there was the pressure of like, um, you know, I feel like I need to prove myself extra to show that I like deserve to be here, even though I'm different. And then I also felt like um, I had a, this heavy responsibility to kind of represent like, okay, well, you know, if I just totally fail, if I do a terrible job in this meeting or on this project, are, is it basically, are people going to think like, well, we shouldn't even have any women or we should just shouldn't have anybody like Lisa on this project, you know? Um, it just felt like so much weight on my shoulders. Um, and oh, and then the other thing was a lot of what I was doing was brand new, brand new to me. I was doing it for the first time. I had become a manager for the first time. Um, there were just a whole, just most of the activities that needed to happen in my day. Most of the responsibilities were new because I, I had never worked at a company at that size. Um, and also because as in many technology startups, you're, the whole company is generally doing things that have never been done before. Like you're trying to innovate. So there's just so much unknown. Um, and so all of these different layers of experience kind of piled on. Um, and I ended up, you know, with those same physical symptoms, um, uh, lots of sweating. I was constantly sweating profusely at work I my friend and I would joke about like just trying to figure out what clothes I could wear that wouldn't show my sweat as much um and that and my mouth would get dry and my throat would get tight and my chest would get tight and and it was like and I, it felt like that all day all the time because I was also constantly in meetings uh another thing was in a lot of those meetings, there was sort of a culture of like speaking loudly and quickly and a little bit of talking on top of each other. It wasn't always like super aggressive or intense, but it was definitely the, the discussions were happening at a pace that was 
um, out of my comfort zone and at a volume that was out of my comfort zone. Um, and because people would overlap at least a little bit in their talking, I could never figure out how, like, how do I jump in? You know, like I, it's just, it's also, it felt like, um, being at a, like a dance or something like a, people are dancing. They're doing a group, like the electric slide or like square dancing or something. Um, and like, or they're like all run spinning in a circle and you're just like, uh, like I want to jump in. I want to join this dance, but like I can't find an opening and it's going too fast. I don't know how to, how to jump in. Um, so that was my, uh, that was my work experience and it started to become really like a make or break thing for me. I needed to speak up more in meetings in order to do my job and in order to progress at the company. Um, so let's take a little break and then I'll tell you some of the strategies I learned that really helped. There was a talk that I went to that really helped shift my perspective, the, the way that I felt on the inside about speaking up. Um, it was a talk by Madeline Albright. I felt so lucky to get to be, be there and hear her speak. And I think someone asked her, you know, what it was like to be a woman in her position. Um at the time, especially like early in her career. And she responded so candidly. And she said, you know, there were times where there, most of the time, everyone else in the room was a man. So I'd be in these, uh, you know, these important meetings with all these other, these heads of state, uh, they would all be men, and then there would be me and I felt really different. And I would think, you know, I think I'm, I'm just going to read the room today. I'm going to listen and just like get a sense of, of what it's, what this, the vibe is like, what's going on here. Um, and then maybe tomorrow I'll speak up. That would be her first, those would be her first thoughts. And then she would <laughs> She was. She said something like, like she would almost like slap herself, like kind of on the inside, and be like, "Madeline, wait a second. If you don't speak up, the entire United States of America will not be spoken for. You have to say something. You can't just like wait till tomorrow." Um, I'm totally paraphrasing, I'm rephrasing what she said, um, but I thought it was just fantastic. It it made so much sense to me. I mean, as an introvert and as like an, a keen observer, I loved to do that too. Like, okay, I'd rather just listen and 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 read the room and like hyper strategize about about what I will say eventually. And I think it's a really important reminder to consider um, who am I representing here? Um, if I, and if I don't speak up here, what other voices won't be 
spoken for or what other populations won't be spoken for. And I don't want to say that um, to um, uh, magnify the pressure that can happen if you're the only fill-in-the-blank in the room to represent everybody in that certain demographic. That should not be the case. You should not have to do that to represent, you know, just everybody else who might look like you or have some similar characteristic or experience. That's just, it's just totally unfair. You're an individual. You should be allowed to show up as an individual just as everyone else in the room is doing. I'm thinking, um, you know, it's more like if you do choose that you want to think about, okay, like for me it would be like, gosh, um, who are all the other women at this company that I admire that should be here, you know? Um, uh, but even, even beyond that, it would be something like, I'm here to represent our customers or our users. Or often when we would be thinking about design decisions, it would be like, okay, I'm here to, to um, give voice to uh, non-native English speakers. I'm here to give voice to the people who will be using this product in translation. Um, I'm here to give voice to the people who will not understand our very local or, you know, at the time, very california Bay Area colloquialisms. Um, it was part of my job to make sure that our product would be understandable and easy to use for everyone, um, no matter their, no matter where they live, no matter what their culture is or their language or um, their various um, abilities. Um, so I think, you know, beyond connecting with who you're representing that may be similar to you in terms of demographic characteristics. Um, it can be helpful to connect with like who, who you are showing up to serve. Um, so yeah, I found that very helpful to be like, okay, this isn't just about me. This isn't just about my voice, making sure my voice gets heard making sure that I speak on behalf of whoever it is that I'm here to represent. And in fact, it's really good it's that I'm different from the other people who are here because if I weren't here, then the people I have in mind, the populations that I'm thinking about, who also may are likely very different from the other people in the room, um, Without me there, like, they, they wouldn't have any representation. So that kind of, like, gave me a little more chutzpah, a little more like, okay, now I have purpose beyond just myself. Um, so uh, then in terms of, like, practically how to speak up in these situations that can be really challenging, um, one thing that... I found really helpful was to find an ally. So 
Um, in a lot of cases, this might be your manager. It could be a peer that's in a lot of meetings with you or just generally, um, if, if, if you find that like there's a specific meeting where you want to be able to speak up more, um, you can think about, okay, who facilitates that meeting or who's always in it with me? Um, or just in general, who's in a lot of meetings with me? Um, uh, and then to ask for their help. Just let them know one of your professional goals is to uh, speak up more in meetings, to contribute more, and that it's just a little hard for you to jump in sometimes. So ask them for, for help, like, hey, you know, will you bring me in to the conversation at some point? Um, uh, I know that, like, yeah, sure, that could be awkward for you or them. Um, but whenever I've tried this, I, I've generally found people are so happy to help, especially people who are more extroverted or just like more comfortable in those environments. Um, it's, it can just be a matter of like letting them know that you could use a hand. Because um, also some people may want to do that, but they don't know if you'd be comfortable with that like it's also tricky to if if you're facilitating and you notice that someone is very quiet in a meeting um it is important to check in with them to make space for them to contribute as a facilitator it's your responsibility to create as much equality as possible in the room um, and to draw out what each the value that each person brings. However, it can also be a little nerve wracking to like call someone out, you know, like, Hey, um, Lisa, is there anything you want to add to this? Um, I do think it's an important thing to do, but it, it's a lot easier when it comes from the person themselves saying, Hey, I actually, I have things I want to say. I'd, I'd love to contribute. Um, I'd love it if you, like, call on me at some point. Um, and then, you know, after having the chance to do that a number of times, it's like basically practice is what helps. Practice speaking in similar settings. And then eventually you will get comfortable and you probably won't need... Um, uh, someone to give you that space you'll 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 get more into the rhythm of the conversation and be able to take the space yourself but it is definitely okay and and really important I think to ask for help if you need it another thing uh, that can be helpful is to get on the agenda in advance if it's a meeting that has an agenda let the organizer know, or if it's like a shared document, add something to the agenda. Um, like, uh, make sure that, that you have something uh, to offer that you could like present to the group. So, so it's like your thing, you know, and then uh, you share something of value and then the rest of the group can like ask you questions about it. Um, and that can, that can be another way where you're not having to like jump in on all of the other conversations in motion. 
you get to actually start one about a topic that you are interested and informed on. Um, another thing along those lines is um, I encourage you, if you're, if you're willing and able, to give prepared presentations wherever possible. I mean, these can be like very brief, you know, like you put together a few slides on an agenda that covers lots of other things. Or it can be like, you know, you, you give a whole big uh, presentation about your discipline or something. Um, personally, uh, with a little practice and support, uh, like especially practicing presentations with my, in front of my peers, my manager, um, I started to feel really great about giving presentations that I could prepare because then I didn't have the stress of like trying to figure out how to jump in and like thinking on the fly and trying to come up with the right questions and phrasing them the right way. Um, it was like, this can be all my thing. I get... I get to um, have all the space I need um, and I get to decide in advance how, how I want to present it. Um, so I found that that was just like really great for building confidence, especially if you start with small groups and build up to like even speaking at conferences. Um, it is different from that like jumping in uh, to meetings and conversations that are in motion. It's also different from uh, presenting like on a panel or doing a Q&A where you do have to come up with things on the fly. But I find that the more you practice prepared presentations, the easier it can get to also uh, jump in uh, and, and think on the fly. Um, okay, another thing. I also just want to note, like, that, that is still going to be too stressful for some people. And some people are just not interested in, in giving presentations or doing public speaking. That is totally okay. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Um, uh, you know, with all of these suggestions, just, like, take what's helpful to you and leave the rest. Um... Another thing that I found to be really helpful is to get to know the people in the meetings personally, especially if you're if it's like you have recurring meetings with the same people or um, you're often seeing the same people across various meetings that group meetings that you have set up one on ones with them, you know, like just just uh, if you can just like a personal one you know, just to get to know you coffee one-on-one, -on -one, even if it's over Zoom. Um, come with, with, come prepared with thoughtful questions about who they are as a person. And, and, I mean, you can really just start with your genuine curiosity about their work, their role, what challenges they have, um, what they like about their work, um, how, they want to work with you, um, how, um, what, what, what should you know about them in order to work well with them? I mean, you can come up with all, all kinds of questions, but I find that if you've, if I have had a one-on-one -on -one with everyone in the room, 
and got to know them a little bit personally. It is much easier than to speak up in the meeting because it's a little bit, um, everyone's like a little bit less scary in that way, you know? Even if it's just like totally random and you had a whole chat just about your dogs, you know? Then it helps humanize everybody in the room for you um, so that you can feel just more comfortable talking with them. Sometimes I find that group meetings um, can feel like having dinner, like going to somebody else's family dinner who has like a big family um, that's like very talkative, you know? And for me, that's so hard. It's like, oh my gosh, everyone, they already have their own cadence, you know? Like I don't know where I fit in here. And so um, it, it helps to just get to know people and, and to try as, as you're able to kind of like make work friends. Um, even if you feel, even if you end up with like just one work friend who like, yeah, you really, you're, you encourage each other and you kind of like have a, a, like a kindred spirit in some meetings with you, it can help bolster your confidence a little bit to be able to speak up more. You can kind of cheer each other on. Uh, Okay, another thing I want to mention is that, you know, as you are working with this challenge of speaking up, and also like forever after, you can always use the tool of um, sending a follow-up in writing after a meeting. So even if you've, you've tried all these tools and like you still just either you felt like you couldn't speak up in the meeting, you, you weren't able to jump in, or it felt too hard to think fast, as fast as the meeting was going. Um, I, I want to say that is that is okay. And Sometimes it's actually great to give something more time to like think it through beyond like the intense 30 minute meeting that unfolded. Um, So I encourage you to um, send an email after. Um, If there's something that is on your mind, you wished you had said it, something you really wanted to contribute or something that it was clear Nobody else in the room knows this thing. Like you've got some information that they should know. Um, Put it together in in a concise email. Um, Personally, I found it it was challenging to speak up in the moment, but I really love writing and I love the space of being able to take my time and write out my thoughts. So um, you can just use that to your advantage use the space of an email or a a Slack follow-up or whatever and let your writing shine Um, and let your ideas shine in that space where um, you don't have to worry about jumping in or getting interrupted or whatever. Um, And as you do that, you may find um, that people uh, organically start to try to bring you in uh, to the meetings more 
like to check in with you before the meeting ends if you have something you want to say because they'll start to realize like, hey, this person keeps sending great stuff after the meeting. Let's get that. Let's get that sooner. Um, uh, I want to also, um, I'm, I want to offer the gentle encouragement to consider that if you find that a meeting is hard for you to speak up in, um, just to consider first that it might not be personal. Um, it could, it really can just be a matter of like kind of, um, you know, cultural or personal differences, just personality, cadence of, of speaking. Um, uh, so I think that especially when you feel different, it's easy to start to assume like, well, probably everyone's talking so fast here and on top of each other because they don't, they don't want me to speak up. No one's making space for me and they don't want to hear from me anyways. Um, there are definitely situations where that is true. So trust your gut if you feel that um, uh, there is resistance to your voice being heard in general. Um, but um, check in about what what is coming from inside of you. Um, and try to like, if you can, uh, step outside and just notice like the mismatch. It doesn't have to be, always be personal, like there's anything wrong with you or there's anything wrong with them. It's just like, some people talk really fast and some people need space before they enter a conversation. So just just something to consider. Um, another tip is uh, to move your body, to use your body in some way to support you. Um, I mean this in a couple ways. So first of all, when I was in a lot of these meetings, I would, um, I would have to pull my chair up like it was an adjustable chair in order to be at the same height as everyone else at the table. And it's like a lot of other people's feet were touching the floor and mine weren't. And mine were like dangling. And it physically, it felt precarious. When you, your feet are not on the ground, um, it's easy to feel ungrounded so um especially if uh, since a lot of us are working from home right now if you're joining meetings on zoom uh check in about how your body is positioned during these meetings um and just experiment are there other positions for your body that could help you feel a little bit more grounded and confident do you need to like stand up Prop, prop your computer up on a lot of books and, and stand up, stand tall, um, or whatever. Also, you can do things with your body like before and after meetings. Maybe do you need to do some stretching or some like power poses? I know that's something um, that there's a, a TED Talk and a book about that if you want to search power poses. Um, 
Yeah, but but our bodies, our minds and our bodies are very connected. So, I mean, you could think about it like if you were a singer, um, you you would consider your your body, your whole body is part of your instrument, not just like the voice in your throat, but singing like from your diagram diaphragm, singing really from your toes. Uh, to the top of your head. So um, it might be helpful to give some thought to uh, how you can get your whole body involved in supporting your voice. Uh, another thing is like, you know, put something comforting on your body. Uh, uh, some cozy uh, cardigan or or maybe like a, a jacket that... Um, is not cozy, but feels more um, confident to you. Whatever, whatever uh, experiment with clothing, because your clothing can influence how you feel. Even if you're, even if it's like you're you're speaking without video or something. Uh, see what you can do um, to comfort and support your body. Uh, another thing I'll mention that may it might sound challenging, um, but when I was in meetings in the same room with other people, there were a couple of times where I was having trouble getting a word in. And I did actually stand up and like walk around to the whiteboard in the room and start sketching something out and then start speaking about it. Like, or um, a less, a less dramatic way to do that is to actually like raise your hand. I kind of missed that about school. Like it was so clear you could raise your hand and then someone will call on you. Um, you know, if, if you, there's something you really want to contribute, um, sometimes you might want to raise your hand and get the attention of whoever is facilitating. Um, so yeah, that's all just to say, see how you can get your body involved. Um, lastly, uh, I just want to mention the idea of looking for patterns in terms of the meetings or situations where you do find it challenging to speak up. Um, uh, a system I've used is um, actually color coding on my calendar. So you could like go back Look at the week that's passed. And um, uh, if you have Google Calendar, you can um, change the colors of your meetings. And it's only on your end. Um, you can change it just for you. And you could do like red, yellow, green. You know, green is the meetings where I, I felt comfortable and I was able to contribute. Yellow, like it was a lot tougher. Um, and red, like, I never, I didn't contribute at all. Um, and then see, like, is there some pattern for the, the ones that are red or yellow? Is it, like, always meetings with this particular person involved? Is it always meetings about a certain project? Or, you know, as I shared with you, you know, I came up with criteria for myself. It's, it was meetings where I felt different and I looked different from everyone else. It was meetings where there were high pressure, either internally it meant a lot to me or 
more broadly, it was a high stakes situation. And then also situations where it was, I was doing something that was new to me. So see what those criteria might be for you. And um, uh, so then you can kind of focus in more uh, on, on like, it can, it can help define the problem a little more clearly so that then you have a better sense of what solutions you might want to experiment with. And uh, yeah, finally, I just want to give a shout out to all my fellow quiet people out there. And um, just I, I want to encourage you that you don't have to change who you are. You don't have to become loud or become a fast talker or an interrupter or something. Um, um, just uh, I, I hope that some of these, these experiments might uh, prove valuable to you so that you can continue to be who you are but also contribute all that you have to contribute. Before you go, a few final notes. First, if you have a topic or question you'd like me to cover, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a note at podcast at the-cocoon.co. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you use to listen. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. That's one of the best things you can do to show your support and encourage me to keep going. The other best thing you can do is to become a supporter on Patreon. You can get access to patrons-only content, including monthly guided meditations. You can find me at patreon.com slash Lisa Sanchez, or check out the link in the show notes. Until next time, let it be easy.